Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood. Welcome to Luke 21 as we explore biblical prophecy. And really, this is a part two of what we began in our last episode, talking about God's promises to Abraham and by promising to Abraham how he was promising to the Jews his special divine promises to come in the future. In our last episode, we talked about that important question asked of Jesus right before he ascended into heaven. It was from Acts 1 and verse 6. It says, when they came together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And we saw that Jesus wanted to expand their hope of what the Messiah's kingdom would be like, and it was going to include the whole world. And that's why he says, uh, you're going to receive power once I ascend, and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and empower you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. In other words, my promises aren't just going to be limited to what we now call the Holy Land or Palestine. It's going to be worldwide. The same thing Jesus says in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, starting in verse 18. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's a, that's a very uh, powerful way of saying I'm now king and invested with worldwide authority. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, not just one, but all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So, the initial promise to the Jews was made to Abraham that focused on a worldwide effect, a worldwide promise that all nations on earth would be blessed through Abraham's family, his special descendant, Jesus Christ. And so that, in a sense, the entire earth, the globe, becomes the Holy Land, not just one little nation in the Middle East. But, and that's, this is a very important but, that's not all. And if you go back and look at the promises that God gave to Abraham, and by the way, these promises are very important for getting biblical prophecy right, for understanding the dispensationalists who are the rapture folks, rapture at any time folks, as well as referring to those who combat the rapture folks. Uh, Take a close look at Genesis 12, where these promises are first made. God says to Abraham, Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you, and him who curses you I will curse, and by you all, all the families of the earth shall bless themselves. So Genesis 12, 3 is worldwide, it's universal. And that's something that when Jesus was asked in Acts 1, 6, you're going to restore the nation of Israel, they were thinking of a <laughs> that nation Israel that we think of in the modern world, a very limited 
piece of land regarding the whole world, but Jesus expanded that, and the whole book of Acts is about, as we saw in last episode, an expansion, the claiming of the globe for the new king, Jesus Christ. But, and again, this is an important but, that promise, the worldwide promise to Abraham, was not all of it. Because you just drop down a few verses in Genesis 12 to verse 7, so you can, I mean, this is like the same conversation, so to speak. It says, Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. In other words, it was a very specific promise coupled with a universal promise. And in saying this, I realize there's a lot of people on both sides of this question that aren't going to like this. And you know what? It's very difficult for many people to keep two seemingly contradictory ideas in their minds at the same time. And very often, and you might say, well, very smart people don't have this problem. And actually, yes, they do, particularly those who are professional theologians and such, because they can drill down so deeply into one of two perspectives that they just can't even see outside of the hole that they've dug for themselves so deeply and not recognizing there's two aspects to this. For instance, and this is just another example still in Genesis, at the end of Genesis chapter 50 and verse 24, Joseph said to his brothers, his brothers become the 12 tribes of Israel, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land, that's Egypt, to the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Well, what's that land? Well, it's, that's where the Exodus was and the pilgrimage into the Holy Land, the land of Israel. And this is something that God swore on oath to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and now Joseph is conveying that promise that God swore on oath that he would give this and these 12 brothers become the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, the question is, does this specific land promise, which is repeated to the patriarchs in Genesis, made initially to Abraham, does it somehow expire with the Old Testament? And there are Catholics and Orthodox and Protestants who say, yes, it expired, and there are Catholics and Protestants who say no. And the answer might be, might there be a universal promise made in Genesis 12.3 and a specific land promise made in Genesis 12.7 and might not both be true? And I realize, and you should realize that some people will go ballistic for what I just said, that both could actually be true, because most people believe one and try to discount the other. And you've, if you've spent any time in these critical things, because this influences your view of biblical prophecy. So let me show you how this works, so to speak. Ezekiel, it's just, you might ask, what's Steve been up to lately? Well, 
uh, I've been spending a whole lot of time on Ezekiel the past several months. It's a just a fascinating book. All the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, and particularly I've been on Ezekiel because uh, specifically there seems to be so very detailed references and promises regarding the land that how does this work with the universal aspect of the gospel? And Ezekiel, of course, is critical to biblical prophecy. So we're going to go to an absolutely wonderful chapter of Ezekiel, chapter 36. Let me give you some promises in Ezekiel 36. And if you've listened to me actually on Faith and Family, these are absolutely critical in a way for understanding what our life is to be like in the new covenant. Ezekiel 36 and verse 25, God says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. And not just the Jewish people, Gentiles too, me included, you included, we all have stains of sin. And the clean water is a prophetic preview of what we now call baptism that cleanses us from all our uncleanness. So obviously, this is a new covenant promise, and quite apart from studying biblical prophecy, I would see, and many others would see, a very clear promise to what God does in the new covenant through baptism. And then verse 26, a new heart I will give you, a new spirit I will put within you. I will take out of your flesh the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This is what it means to be born again or to regenerate it. God literally gives us new life and a new heart. And again, this is the very heart, not to be <laughs> funny and making a pun here, but the heart of the new covenant is his new heart that will cause us to obey God. And that's the next verse. This is New Testament Christianity. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances. Now, in the Old Testament, this, this isn't an Old Testament fulfillment because Israel tried to do this, so to speak, on their own steam. And God says, no, I'm going to give you a new heart because the, the heart in the Old Testament was stone, just like the Ten Commandments were on stone. You try to do it yourself and you can't, it's too heavy lifting. So I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you my spirit and enable you to obey me. This is just the heart of the new covenant, okay? So I gave you Ezekiel 36, verses 25, 26, and 27 incredibly rich, central focus on what God does to his faithful people in the new covenant, okay? So, there are multitudes out there who say all the land promises expired because we have a universal promise now of God with the gospel. Well, we do have a universal promise, but what about the land? Let's go back to Ezekiel chapter 36 and the very verse before the verses I just quoted to you says this, for I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. Well, everybody's like, well, that's, that's referring to 
after the Babylonian captivity, all these people were deported, and now they came back, and that was fulfilled in the Old Testament. Yeah, that sounds great, except that verse comes right before verse 25, 26, and 27, describing the very heart, the center of what the new covenant, new covenant, not old, new covenant is all about. And well, it's just a verse that popped in there. Well, the verse immediately after the verses I trust quoted to you says this, you, verse 28, you shall dwell in the land which I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. So you see, unless you have a scalpel and can just slice and ditch uh, obvious context of Ezekiel 36, you know, woven together with these Old Testament promises of the land are promises of a new heart, are promises of being clean from the water of baptism. It's the promise of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That came on Pentecost. That didn't come in the Old Testament. These are remarkable things, and God will bring you back to your land. And then, uh, don't ask me to explain this. I'm just going to tell you. There's the utterly remarkable 1948 return of the Jews to Palestine after the unspeakable suffering during the World War II Holocaust. And then you have the recapture of the city of Jerusalem, the Six-Day War in 1967. So let me just tell you, your dispensationalist friends are going to be very reluctant to concede that the Bible doesn't have any land promises in this period of time. And they're right. Just take a look at Ezekiel 36. But that doesn't mean we don't have a universal kingdom of the Messiah in the present. So we're going to need another episode. Please join us again. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 333 of Luke 21. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.